these past seven months have been incredible. And I mean, honestly, when I saw you seven months ago, I knew, I knew from that moment that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with you. You're kind, beautiful, smart. I, I can't picture a more perfect woman. So, Emma, Lily, Thompson, will you marry me? Yes, 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 yes. 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 I have to see other guys on the side, but yes. Wait, what? Uh, what are the guys? What, what are you talking about? I'm the perfect woman. Just like you said, I'm going to have gourmet meals for us every single night. Our house is going to be perfect. Oh, it's going to be amazing, babe. And I mean, you don't really expect me to be a one-man kind of woman anyway. Uh, no, that's actually like a, a big part of marriage. Like, you and me, together. Yeah, but I can't give up every guy. I mean, that's asking a little much, don't you think? A, a little... A little... I just asked you to marry me. If we're married, you can't see anyone else. That, that, no, that, that's Babe, just not wait. you. Okay, I'm, okay I'm shh. It's okay. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You're right. I was wrong. Thank I you. totally understand where you're coming from. This is our moment. And we're going to be so happy together. Every single day. Except once a week. Well, uh, once a week? Okay. What, just no. a blink. Once a did week. You, did you not listen to anything Every other I just year? said? No. On a leap year? No. Okay, Emma, I, I, I can't. I, I can't. Once a week on a leap year, and you're gonna freak out? Emma, we're we're done. What? Babe, you were just asking me to marry you. Are you kidding me? Seriously? Really? We're gonna jump right into the deep end today. I'm not going to ease into our subject. The first time I saw that video, uh, that wasn't what I thought was going to happen. And we laugh because it is uh, quite hilarious, but I, it caused me to wonder, how many of us want to follow Jesus in the same way that girl wanted to be married? Like, we love the idea of having our sins forgiven. We love the idea of spending eternity in heaven because if we're honest, the other option is not all that great. I mean, we want all that Jesus has to offer us without having to pay the cost of exclusively being in relationship with him. So before I get too far into the sermon, I do want to say hello to anybody joining us via video here in Cheyenne, somewhere around the world. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. Just so thankful that all of you are here with us today. And I promise we don't normally start off the message by just jumping in uh, like that, but it seemed to fit today as we are continuing our sermon series called Don't Be a Fan. And in the series, we are talking about what it truly means to follow Jesus. And a, a heads up on the next couple of weeks here. Next week, we'll be finishing this series talking about where does a follower have to go? That if I follow Jesus, where is that going to take me? Where do I go when I follow Jesus? Two Sundays from now, on Sunday, October 2nd, I am so excited for this Sunday. And I want to challenge all of you who call Element Church home to do your best, make it a priority to be here on Sunday, October 2nd for a couple of reasons. First of all, October 2nd, we'll be celebrating our ninth birthday as a church, which is absolutely Absolutely amazing. So excited for that. Yeah, it's awesome. 
And then uh, on that Sunday, as we are heading into our 10th year of ministry, the real reason I would uh, just challenge you to be here is I'm going to take the whole message portion of that Sunday, and I'm going to be sharing with our congregation where we believe God is taking us for the next 10 years as a church. Call it Vision Sunday if you want to, but I am so excited to share with you uh, where we believe God is taking us. It's on Sunday, October 2nd, so that's what's coming up now to catch you up on uh, last Last week, last Sunday, we started the series talking about some changes we need to make if we're going to truly follow Jesus, that we need a change in our priorities, a change in our perspective, and a change in our purpose. If you weren't here for that, or if you want to share a message with somebody, you can do that via our website, elementchurchwy.com, or use our free Element Church app. You can download that as well. All of our sermons are there. And there's one verse from the main scripture last week that kind of sums up uh, those three changes that we need to make. I want to read it for you again today. It's from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24 in the Bible says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must, everyone say must, you must give up your own way, a change in priorities, take up your cross, a change in perspective, and follow me, a change in purpose. Now I'm positive there'll be at least one person here today or joining us online and you don't believe in Jesus so logically you are not a follower of his. I said this last week, I'll probably say it again next week, that if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not a follower of his, there may not be a better sermon series for you to attend than this one that we are in and we love it, love it that you are here as a part of our church today. And the reason it's so important this series for you Because we are going to go straight to the source, Jesus himself, to see what he says about following him. Every scripture we're looking at uh, comes from an eyewitness to the life, ministry, and teaching of Jesus, telling us what Jesus requires or what he expects from those who follow him. And you get to hear that before you ever even make a decision about putting your faith in him, and that's huge. And the reality is, as churches in general... We have not done a great job teaching people what it means to follow Jesus. We are great at calling people to put their faith in him, but we are not that good at teaching people the cost of following Jesus. And you might be here and you're a believer and you hear that word cost and you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought forgiveness was free. Like, I thought salvation was a gift from God. Now you throw the word cost in there. What are you talking about? And so here's uh, the best illustration I could come up with, a story from my own life that I hope will help get us thinking about this idea of, of cost. So I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise vacation before, but in my opinion, there, uh, for a number of different reasons, cruising is the best way to vacation. Like of all the vacations I've ever taken, like I've had the most relaxing time I've ever had has been on a cruise. In fact, there's only two things better than a cruise vacation. The first thing is a cruise vacation without your kids. Can I get a witness up in here? Yes. A cruise without your kids. There's a whole lot of something going on that cruise ship. Naps. What did you think I meant? Napping. Parents are tired, right? Maybe there's something else that happens. I don't know. Second thing greater than a cruise vacation is a free 
cruise vacation. Now, I've had the privilege in my life, my 42 years of life, to go on four different cruises, but I've only paid for one of them, which is amazing. Like, I've been a blessed individual. My dad one time paid for a cruise for us to go on. Uh, my wife earned a cruise through the home-based business that she was doing uh, several years back. And then last year, Sabrina, my wife's dad and stepmom, paid for us to go on a cruise over New Year's. It was unbelievable. So in January of 2015, my wife and her siblings, four other siblings, received an email from Sabrina's dad that just said, hey, for Christmas this year, we would like to invite you guys on an all-expense paid cruise uh, for you, your spouses, your kids, for everyone. We're going to pay for you to get all expenses to get down to the boat, to get on the boat, and to get back home, plus the night in a hotel but the day before we leave for this cruise. It was all planned for us and all paid for us. It was amazing. And one of my favorite things, in fact, the favorite thing for me about a cruise is the unlimited selection and availability of food 24 hours a day. So several of Sabrina's siblings had not been on a cruise. One of them, a number of times, would text me or call me or even the day we arrived, and he would say, so you're telling me I just go up to the buffet ask for a hot dog, and they give me one? I'm like, yeah, you can get room service. It's all included in the price of admission to get on the boat. On this cruise we were on over New Year's uh, this last year, uh, there was a burger joint on the boat uh, that was owned by Guy, the, guy, the host from Diners, Drive-Ins, and, and Dives. They had a bacon bar to go along with the burger bar, which was unbelievable. There was a 24-hour pizza, play, a, a pizza place. There was a soft-serve ice cream machine that was on 24 hours a day for self-service. This was on top of the buffet line, the deli bar, the five-star restaurant that you have reservations to every night where our entire family all ate together. This was all included. And let me remind you, I didn't pay for any of it. It was amazing. So at night after the shows, we would go to the pizza place, get a slice of pizza. We'd over order room service at like midnight, not because we were hungry, because it was free. And so we did like our son, Jonah, he was trying to count, keep track of how many pizza slices and how many ice cream cones he ate. He lost track like on day two. It was unbelievable. The entire trip for our family and the rest of the family was free. But was there a cost to going on that trip? Better believe there was. Was there a cost for me to go on the trip? Absolutely. Now you're already confused. You're thinking, I thought you said he paid for everything. He did pay for everything. And because he paid for everything, he now had the authority to tell us where we were going to go, right? Like if I didn't like the destination he chose for our cruise, I couldn't go on the cruise. Uh, imagine taking my ticket for the cruise we were on and trying to board another cruise ship to another destination. It wouldn't go very well, right? Like they worked really hard to find dates that worked for five different families and their kids. Six, if you count uh, my father-in-law and, and his wife. Uh, they worked really hard to find dates, but essentially said, this is the dates we were going. And we had to fit that into our calendar or we weren't going to go. There were certain days we were told what to wear because we were getting family pictures at a certain place at a certain time. Like the entire trip was paid for, but I wouldn't be able to experience it if I wasn't willing to pay the cost. And the same church is true in our faith. So here's the big idea. 
for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. And it's this. Forgiveness from, from Jesus is free, but following him will cost me. Forgiveness from Jesus is free, but following him will cost me. Now, don't misunderstand. Please don't misunderstand. I am not saying that there is something else besides the wonderful, marvelous grace of God that saves us. This is the one belief that separates Christianity from every other religion on the planet, that we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, so that we have no works to boast about in receiving that salvation. There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It is free. The price of the cruise has been paid for. Amen, church? It's been paid for. But, but, just because there's nothing I can do to be saved doesn't mean that after I'm saved, God doesn't have something else he wants me to do. Like there's things God plans for us to do in our lives for him and his glory. There's a cost to following Jesus. So if there is a cost, and I think we're going to see that today, we have to answer the question, what is the cost? Like what's the cost of following Jesus? And that's the big question we have today. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Luke here, uh, we don't believe uh, that Luke was an actual eyewitness to the life of Jesus, but we do know that Luke interviewed and pulled from other eyewitness accounts to the life of Jesus. Like we know that Peter borrowed from the gospel of Mark. Mark wrote down his story from the eyewitness account of Peter. Uh, we also believe that that Luke took from the, the disciple Matthew, eyewitness account. And many scholars believe, I learned this this week, many scholars believe that Luke actually interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, to get the birth account of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, which is kind of cool if you think about that. So all the verses are on the screens as well. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, we believe it is the power of God that can change your life right there in the Bible. We want to give you one for free. So ask for one at guest services. We'll give you a Bible. Luke 14. Verse 25, going to read through verse 27, says this. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, I've inserted the word followers, it's the same exact thing. If you want to be my follower, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and you're thinking that's not hard on the brother and sister one. Yes, even your own life. And we're going to talk more about this next week, this whole relational dynamic. What, what does it mean for relationships when I follow Jesus? But I want to stop here and kind of explain this. Jesus is not saying that we should hate anyone, okay? We, I think we know from the teaching of Jesus that would just be contradictory. What he is saying is this. That your love, your devotion, your dedication, your commitment level to Jesus should cause those same feelings toward anyone else to make it look like you hate those people compared to your love, devotion, dedication, commitment to Jesus. That your love for Jesus is so strong it seems like you hate all those other people by comparison. Otherwise, you cannot be my follower. And... If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my follower. So forgiveness from Jesus is free, but following him costs me. What is the cost? Three things. Number one is this. There is a cross 
to carry. In our following Jesus, there's a cross to carry. Now for Jesus, I think even if you've never been to church before, you understand that uh, we believe Jesus actually carried his own cross to the place where they would nail him to it and he would shed his blood for the forgiveness of all those who put their faith in him. So for Jesus, it was a literal cross. So when he says to us, if you don't carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? Does that mean that we should all leave today, go form a cross out of wood and start carrying it around our lives everywhere we go? I, I hope not. I'm not planning on doing that tomorrow. I don't know about you. It'd be really weird if all of us tomorrow took our crosses to work. That would cause quite a stir at least. We'd at least gain some attention. But I I don't think that's what that means. Some people do that. Like there are some people. We had one in Cheyenne yesterday. He might still be here today. I don't know if you saw him. Like there was a dude yesterday out on Del Range just up the road from Chili's that was literally carrying a cross uh, down the sidewalk. So there's people who actually carry a cross, sometimes across the country, using that cross to start conversations about Jesus with people. It's an evangelistic tool and more power to you. If that's what God has called you to do, by all means do it. And I pray people come to know Jesus, but I don't think that's what it means for all of us. And so that's, that's one extreme, actually carry a cross. Another extreme is this, the phrase, my cross to bear, I think in Christianity today has become overused and highly misunderstood because we take things like an annoying coworker, an overbearing boss, the cold we came down with over the weekend, a car that needs constant repair, you know, life's minor problems. And we say things like, well, that's just my cross to bear comparing that to what Jesus went through. I got news for us. Uh, sometimes you got a cold over the weekend because it was 30 degrees outside, but it was, the sun was shining, so you went suns out, guns out, and now you have a cold. Like, it's your own fault, right? Sometimes your car needs repair because it's a car, and cars break down. I'm pretty sure your annoying coworker and overbearing boss have nothing to do with carrying a cross. So what does it mean? Like Jesus said, if you don't carry it, you can't follow me. So what does it mean? Well, I went to... Uh, what I believe to be a great source. It's uh, different theologians, commentators, people who are way smarter than me about the Bible to see what they said about this passage. And I found one from a phenomenal theologian. His name is Albert Barnes. He's a Presbyterian pastor that lived in the 1800s. And here's what uh, Albert Barnes said about this specific passage on the screens as well. To carry your cross is a figurative expression denoting that we must endure whatever is burdensome or is trying or is considered disgraceful, here's the key phrase, in following Christ. Not every burdensome thing is your cross to bear. When it's burdensome because of your pursuit of Christ, that is your cross. It consists simply in doing our duty, let the people of the world think of it or speak of it as they may. It does not consist in making trouble for ourselves or doing things merely to be opposed. And if we're honest, a lot of Christians today act like that. We say things to get a response and then we claim it as our cross to bear, just trying to be opposed. It is doing whatever is required of us in Scripture. Let it produce whatever shame, disgrace, or pain it may. This, every follower of Jesus is required to do. Wow. So, 
just as Jesus carried his cross to his death, so we too, in our faith and in our following, must be ready and willing to go all the way, enduring whatever pain, suffering, opposition, or persecution that will come, even going all the way to death for Jesus and with Jesus. And for some of us in the room, we're thinking, I love the sound of a free cruise, but this is a little extreme. Like persecution? You're saying that I'm going to be persecuted? 2 Timothy 3.12, the Apostle Paul tells us this in his letter to a young pastor named Timothy. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, or in other words, everyone who wants to follow Jesus, will suffer persecution. Which, by the way, we don't know what persecution is yet in America. <laughs> like being made fun of, okay, having your head cut off, whole other story, whole other story. Now, I said this a few weeks ago, I'm going to keep saying it as your pastor because I believe it's my obligation to prepare the congregation that God's gifted me with for this coming day. I'm going to keep on saying that. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But there is, I believe, coming a day in this country when it will be no longer acceptable to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, in the last days, the whole world will hate you because of me. That if they, if they hated me, they'll hate you. If they killed me, they'll kill you for believing in me. That's what Jesus said. So stand firm in your faith was the challenge of Jesus. Forgiveness from Jesus is free. Following him cost me. What's the cost? It's a cross to carry. And Jesus said, if you won't carry it, you cannot follow me. Second cost that I think we need to know about in following Jesus is there's a conflict to conquer. A cross to carry, a conflict to conquer. Now before we read the next section, of scripture, I have to tell you for years, I never really understood what it meant. Like it doesn't even seem to fit in the same topic that Jesus was teaching on. You'll see here in a moment when we read it, he, you know, he starts off by saying, you got to carry your own cross. Then he moves into this talk about building a building and going to war against another king. It just doesn't fit. And if it were anybody else but Jesus, we might give him some lessons on putting together a sermon. That's how out of place it seems when you're reading it. So he just said, unless you take up your cross, you can't follow me. And then he says this, Luke 14, 28 through 33. But don't begin, begin what? Following him. Don't begin taking up your cross until you count the what? The cost. The cost of following Jesus. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. And you're thinking, build a building? Or what king would go to war? Now, completely another subject. Against another king without first sitting down with the counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So, he says, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. What? Like, how, 
How does giving up everything you own fit in with building a building or going to war against a king? I'm not a king. I'm not going to war. What what does all this mean? Well, there's a conflict to conquer. So again, I'm like, Jesus, I need help. Like unpacking this one because there's a lot here. Like, what does this mean? So I went back to, you know, commentators. What did other theologians say about this? Found a great explanation from a, a, com- a commentary I have called the Pulpit Commentary. And I want you to really lean into this and listen to what this says, okay? The first of these stories points to the building up of the Christian character in heart and life. So just like to build a building, it costs something, and layer by layer, brick by brick, you build up a building. So in our Christian faith, our Christian life, we build up our Christian character layer by layer, brick by brick. The second is an image of the warfare which every Christian must wage against the world, its passions, and its lusts. Now listen, if we cannot commit ourselves to the sacrifice necessary for the completion of the building up of the life we know that Jesus loves, if we shrink from the cost involved in the warfare against sin and evil, it is better for us not to begin the building or risk the war at all. Wow, that's deep, it's deep. So, here's, put this now into Jeff Manis terms, which I hope will help us, maybe it won't. A conflict to conquer means, so huge, that following Jesus is not just something I add to my life, following Jesus is my life. There is a character to be built, layer by layer, brick by brick. I become more and more like Jesus, living a life pleasing. There's, there's a battle, a, a battle to conquer, a battle to overcome, that when I choose to follow Jesus, everything changes about my life. I give up, Jesus says, everything I own, which by the way, I don't think Jesus is talking about possessions as much as he's talking about being possessive. It's huge. That we hold on to our life like this, right? This sound familiar? This is from last week's message. Jesus says, if you hold on to your life, you'll what? Lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll what? Save it. You'll save it. That we so often hold, we're holding on my way, my time, my purpose, my plans, my, my, pers- my priority, all that stuff we talked about. It's mine. It's possessive more than possessions. Now, as a follower of Jesus, no longer do I align myself with my selfish desires, this is what this means, As a follower of Jesus, now I align myself with Scripture, okay? And this is so huge. You don't change Scripture to match your lifestyle. You change your lifestyle to match Scripture. That as a follower of Jesus, I come under the authority and the alignment of the Word of God. That everything in my life, my private life, my personal life, my business life, my sexual life, my financial life, my, my, my relational life, my emotional life, it all comes under the alignment of Scripture. Yet, yet, I hear people in the faith say things like this. I love Jesus, 
I'm just not following him right now. What? Like, do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? About as ridiculous as the video we showed to start the sermon time. Because we would never, we would never even consider marrying someone who wanted one day a week to be unfaithful. Yet we expect God to be okay with us being unfaithful to him. Come on. Going deep. Since this series is called Don't Be a Fan, and since it's getting really tense in the room, I want to use some sports analogies to help us out, okay? So, here's my sports analogy for today. Saying, I love Jesus, I'm just not following him right now, is like saying, I love the Broncos, I'm just cheering for the Raiders right now. Don't work, don't it? Don't work. Why? Because any true, I'm making some skin crawl in the room, any true Bronco fan would never cheer for the Raiders and vice versa. A Raiders fan would never cheer for the Broncos. They may as well have something better to cheer about over there. But, but, right? No, nobody says, I'm a, I'm a Wyoming fan, but I cheer for CSU. No, why? Like there's, you don't do that. The only reason a UW fan would ever cheer for CSU is if your child is playing for their team, even then I'm not sure it's acceptable, right? Like you don't do that. You don't do that. But I think some people, I really do think some people view following Jesus as I can live how I want and just throw God a bone. I'll go to church sometimes. I'll drop a 20 spot in the offering. I'll post something on Facebook about Jesus. I'll read my Bible every now and then. I'll, I'll pray before meals. God's got to be good with that. But Jesus seems to imply that following him costs everything. Everything. That the old life is gone, and a new life needs to be built. Not on the same foundation, but a new foundation, the foundation of Jesus. And then I need to do the hard work of building up a life that's pleasing to Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit because I can't do it on my own. And on top of that, when I choose to follow Jesus, there is a battle that will ensue against our very souls, a battle against sin, a battle against Satan. And we are told in Ephesians in the New Testament that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers the authorities, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That when you choose to follow Jesus, the powers of darkness will come against you. There's a conflict we have to conquer, a conflict for our very souls. So, Jesus said, you don't, if you don't give up everything you own, Live your life like this. You cannot be my disciple. That God wants our whole life and everything that comes with it to be aligned to the ways of Jesus. And then he said, he, this is what Jesus says, if you're not down with that, if you're not down with the cost, if you're not up for the battle that's about to happen, 
it would be better for you if you never started the process of following me. That's strong, church. That's strong. So forgiveness from Jesus is free, but following him will cost me. What does it cost me? This is, this is not, by the way, a church growth sermon. I can tell you that. <laughs> There's a cross to carry. There's a conflict to conquer. And then Jesus says something that, again, feels like it doesn't fit. So he goes from a cross to carry, then you're going to build a building and go to war, and now he talks about salt. Okay, it's almost, I don't know if he's hungry or what, but here, here's what he says. On the same subject of following him, Luke 14, 34 and 35 says this. Salt is good for seasoning. Just complete shift in thinking. But if it loses flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It's thrown away. Now, I'm going to take some creative liberty here, and this might offend some people. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to put words in Jesus's mouth. But if he is continuing along the same thing of following theme of following him, and it's clear that he is, I'm just going to change a few words. And again, if you want to be mad at me, be mad at me. But this is what he's saying. A follower who doesn't follow me is good, neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It's thrown away. Whoo. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And then he says this, anyone with ears to hear, I believe that's all of us, should listen and understand. This is strong. So here's the third cost to following Jesus. There's a condition to continue. There's a condition to continue. That when you give your life to Jesus, when you commit to follow him, it's not a one-time thing, it's an ongoing thing. You don't have a cross to carry one day. You have a cross to carry every day. There's not a conflict to conquer for a moment. It's a conflict to conquer for the rest of your life. It's a condition that needs to continue. So in doing some study, reading what Albert Barnes was saying, he just kind of sums this whole thing up. This is, I think, a beautiful way to sum up this passage. Here's what that Presbyterian pastor from the 1800s said. No one can be a Christian who, when making a profession, is resolved after a while to turn back to the world. If they come not with a full purpose, always to be a Christian. If they mean not to persevere by the power of God through all hazards and trials and temptations. If they are not willing to bear their cross and meet contempt and poverty and pain and death without turning back, they cannot be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. God help us. God help us. God help me. Be so resolved to my faith that no matter what comes, I will not stop following Jesus. Now, this whole sermon is a horrible marketing pitch to following Jesus. Like some of you are probably thinking, why after hearing that would I want to follow? That sounds hard. It is hard. <laughs> so you might be thinking, what's in it for me? I mean, there's a huge cost. Like, what, what do I get? Well, for starters, when you choose to follow Jesus by putting your faith in him, there is a debt paid for you that you can't pay on your own. That all of us have sinned, all of us. That sin separates us from God. And so God said, you know what? Since you sinned against me 
and you can't pay for those sins yourself, I'm going to come as one of you. So he came as one of us. He died because of us. He rose victorious. He chose every one of us so that all who put their faith in him can have forgiveness of sins and new life forever in heaven. Amen? So that's one thing you get. That I could stop there. But here's the thing. Following Jesus is not just a get out of hell free card. It's also a live life to the fullest card while you're on the earth. That Jesus said, the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. It's a life that can't be taken away. A life that these things in the world we deal with, these costs that we face, they can't touch that life. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't get it. It's only given by Jesus. If that's not enough, I could stop there. I thought about this this morning. I was rehearsing my sermon at home before I came in to the church. And I was just reminded of 1 Corinthians 2.9. It's not on the screen. If you want to write it down, you can. But in 1 Corinthians 2.9 in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, this guy who hated Jesus at one point, was miraculously saved by Jesus. Went on to be a missionary for him. And if you read the New Testament, he wrote about the majority of it. 1 Corinthians 2.9, though, the Apostle Paul says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that awesome? That you think about the best possible thing God could ever give you, and you're not even in the same universe yet of what he's prepared to give those who follow him. Here's what we're going to do today. It's way different than normal. But it's what I felt led to do. Just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. It's a prayer of commitment to Jesus, putting your faith in him for forgiveness, committing to follow him for your life. If you want to say that prayer today, maybe that's maybe the, the first time you're even hearing something like this. If you want to pray to receive Jesus, to follow him, I want you to say this prayer with me. You can just say it silently uh, to God. He hears you. And then I'll give instructions on what to do when we're done. Just say this prayer silently. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he paid the price for my sins. So forgive me of all I've done. I, I put my faith in you, Jesus. You are the Savior of the world. I'm repenting from my old life. I'm going to do my best to follow you now, God. Wherever you want me to go, I'm going to follow. Help me build up that life. Help me face the battle with your power. Thanks for loving me. Do my best to love you back. Help me, God, live for you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what we're going to do. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to tell somebody today. Specifically, I want you to step out in boldness and faith, pay the cost, a little bit of embarrassment or outside your comfort zone or whatever, I want you to tell, stop by the purple tent in the back and tell one of our prayer team members, all you gotta do is tell them, I asked Jesus into my heart and they will be so thrilled for you. Or tell someone at guest services, I asked Jesus into my heart, there's volunteers there who would love to hear it as well. This is the easiest place you will ever admit that you're a follower of Jesus because we're in this with you and we love you. So if you do that, We'll give you a next steps booklet, get you walking with Jesus, taking your next steps in him. Uh, that would be absolutely amazing. Purple tent, guest services, tell somebody you prayed that prayer. It's a bold thing to do, but I'm asking you to do it. I love you guys. Let me say a quick word of prayer for you. Then Ryan's got some closing words. God, you're so good. Lord, again, I thank you that you don't leave us in the dark. You tell us exactly what you expect from those who follow you. And Lord, you paid the highest price for our sins 
So Lord, help us pay the cost of following you in Jesus' name. Amen.